What's up everyone? My name is Zach Redrup and this is the It's Not A Phase podcast. On this episode I'm joined by our Sirens Fall frontman, Mikey Lord, to talk all about the band's new EP, Coming Of Rage, working with producer Neil Kennedy, how the EP came about almost accidentally, the importance of image and loads more. Now if you enjoyed this or any other episode of the podcast and you want to show your support, there's a few ways that you can do that. Number one, leave a rating and review wherever you're listening to this. It takes just a few seconds and it really does help. Number two, share this on your social media, whether that be Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever. Or number three, if you want to go the extra mile, you can pay a little bit each month to join the Patreon, and in return you'll get access to episodes early along with some of our perks. Or you can pick up some merch from the store. All the links to that and the podcast socials where you can follow us can be found at itsnotaphase.co.uk. That's itsnotaphase.co.uk. And now with all that out of the way, let's jump right into this week's episode of It's Not A Phase. What's up, everybody? Thank you for joining me on this episode of It's Not A Phase, where I'm joined by a Sirens 4 vocalist, Mikey Lord. How are you doing, man? I'm really good, thank you, mate. And how are you? Yeah, yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to uh, jump on, especially so close to, to EP release. Uh, oh, but but you're really excited about that. I'm absolutely stoked on it, yeah. Thank you for, thank you for having me. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, we are getting there. Like, I can't believe we're getting there. We are basically almost two weeks exactly away. And I can't, I still, we played the show the other day and people were talking to me about how excited they were that the show was in a couple of weeks. And I hadn't really thought about it like that yet because I've been looking at that poster and that CD cover for like seven or eight months now. (laughs) (laughs) Still registered in in my head as this thing that's an eternity away. But yeah, it's looming in the best way. Yeah, I'm really excited about all of it. So uh, the title, Coming of Rage, why that title for the EP? That was the title of the last song that was written for it. And up until that song was written, there probably wasn't going to be an EP, or at least not now. There's always a collective release coming from us in some form or another. But we had the other songs done, and like we were just going to do singles for a while. And then this song came, and uh, that was the title of it. And it's kind of about very much the same same kind of thing as the last single that we released heaven is about which is sort of realizing you're growing up into a darker world than you thought you were and being a bit pissed off about it really being a bit sort of resentful of how ill prepared it can feel to sort of suddenly be thrust into big grown up territory and be surrounded by sort of difficulties that you hadn't really anticipated just about being a person and yeah. and it was kind of that song as we were sort of going through everything together suddenly all these five songs make sense together because they're all basically about the same kind of theme and um we'd never done like a title track thing before everything sort of always had its own collective name we toyed toyed about with just having that as the ep title and changing the song name but it's just it felt wrong so that that was it really it's like all the songs kind of come from the same kind of emotional area and the title of that song kind of just fits it do you know what i mean so it's kind of like um, like an accidental EP then, because you didn't really go into wanting to actually put an EP out. You just put these songs together and then just by coincidence, it's come into a body of work. Yeah, pretty much. There was probably no other way that it was going to be for us because when the world ended, you know, in March 2020, I remember sort of sitting down and seeing all these other people talking about how they were going to do the concept album that they've been wanting to do for 10 years. Like, now I've finally got the time and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to learn the fucking trumpet. And... It got like six months later and I hadn't, I hadn't really made any progress towards any of those things. <laughs> and I've never been a banana bread person. I was just kind of chopping away at stuff. So a couple of these songs were written during the pandemic just because I'm writing songs all the time. And right. Coming of Rage wasn't written until three or four months ago. Not three or four months ago, sorry. I've got no sense of time. It was the start of this year. But we've never really sort of sat down to 
do a collective work. It's always sort of been song by song because that's just the way we've always run. We did it once with the last EP, the Pell David. The idea was to sort of have a song for each stage of grief. And it sort of quickly became clear that you can't do that. There is no black and white with grief. There are no clear defined stages. And I think the five stages of grief thing is kind of bullshit. And in writing that EP, we sort of figured all that out and it was a really fun little adventure. But it's just not the way we normally do things. It's sort of, oh shit, we have enough songs for a collective thing. <laughs> like, like, sort of go through all of them and see see what we can sort of stitch together and see what we can change and, and sort of make them more compatible with each other and, and go and record it. And that's very much what happened with this one, really. It's always a bit of a Frankenstein job. <laughs> well, it works. Yeah, it does. I mean, I'd love, I'd love to sort of have the time and capacity to sort of take six months, you know, and start it with nothing. And like, right, let's, let's do an album. Because I've always wanted to do a concept album. That's kind of like my bucket list thing. And I'd love to have the capacity and time and the flexibility to really sit down and dive into that and go super deep with all of it. And at the end of it, have this thing that's start to finish with written with intention. But I think I might just be a little bit too ADHD for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a different person every 48 hours. So you, sort of, you get what comes out of me, really. And <laughs> <laughs> that could be the concept. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> control chaos <laughs> so uh, you know you said like obviously you've got a few eps now what do you feel like this ep showcases about a siren's fall that perhaps you haven't had a chance to showcase yet or just weren't able to i think more than any of the other ones that we've done it's a really strong example of how we just don't like the idea of genre at all we never really had that conversation as a band when we were starting that so many local bands sort of have that kind of cliche, like you choose your band name and then you argue about what your sound is going to be. And we have obviously like, I think it's pretty clear what our influences are across the board, but it's like, we never really say no to anything unless we don't like it, you know, and we'll write a metalcore song and we'll equally write a song like Boy Whatever, which is like, it's it feels like a, the, the killers but hung over. And it, it's just some, it's completely different to anything else that we've done. But I feel like because it's us and because we've just said sort of yes to it as we've gone along and let it flow, it feels like us. And I think this EP is a really good example of, of that, really, just sort of that willingness to just be whatever it is in the moment and let it go and not be precious about things. And it's way more fun that way, I think. And yeah, I think this EP is the sort of best example of that, of us, of that sort of aspect of us so far. You know, you touched on earlier the uh, obviously the, the massive elephant in the room, which was COVID, and obviously this is your first collection of work after these lockdowns happened and stuff. How much do you think that kind of historic time in all of our lives impacted these songs and this EP, whether it be lyrically, how things were written and recorded? I I, I think further to, to what I just said about sort of that willingness to just sort of be a bit weird and let things flow. I think that's the same across the board for a lot of people out there, and I think that's as a result of sort of spending two years with very little to do other than be introspective you know i feel like a lot of people that i know finally got around to the things that they were putting off and didn't really think were fair for them and finally got around to getting therapy and figuring themselves out a little bit and i'm a completely different person now to the person i was before the world ended and so many of the people that i know and love are too and i think over that period everybody just sort of got a little bit more willing to be ridiculous and louder yeah, and just have more fun and then the world sort of opened up and everybody's kind of blooming and letting loose with all of it and it's, it's a really fucking exciting time for culture <laughs> i think everybody's just sort of a bit more willing to let shit go and try it whatever it is that they were nervous of before and yeah. be a little bit more ballsy with what they're making and um 
it's just exciting because people are doing stuff that's super fucking different now. I think it's such an exciting time. I think the UK scene right now in particular is the strongest it's been in well, well over 10 years. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, it was a fucking awful thing, but I think the pandemic had a lot to do with that. Yeah, because people didn't really have anything else to do. They couldn't go out and, and do things or socialise, really. Not, not properly, anyway. No, no. I think that sort of forced introspection and having to spend time with yourself, figure yourself out a little bit and sort of reassess your life has, has turned people into, well, not turned people into anything, but pushed people into doing maybe what they've always wanted to do, but haven't quite felt able to. And yeah, that's why I think it's really exciting because everybody's just being really loud. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's too cool anymore. Everyone's just getting on with it and <laughs> brilliant. And during that time as well, I noticed you, uh, you decided to um, fully kind of like embrace and take a hold of TikTok yourself. And, you know, you had a few videos that kind of went a bit viral. And was that kind of like an escapism for you as well as kind of promoting the band a bit? Honestly, it was just a fun little project. Like it was definitely, in the, like, I, I am ADHD as all that. And I've got a pile of medication just off screen. <laughs> <laughs> During lockdown, it was sort of like I would go from thing to thing, as always. But it's like it was much more intense because there's sort of no, I'm not distracting myself from doing something else with these things. And it kind of just became a little bit of a, a creative outlet that didn't really involve music at all. Like I intentionally, for a very long time, I did not even mention the band because I kind of just wanted to just have fun with it, just mess about. It was an excuse to get dolled up and dress up a little bit and just be a bit silly, really. Because when I was a kid, I loved YouTube growing up, properly one of those. And I feel like this is kind of the new generation's version of that. Yeah. Of, you know, Amazing Phil and that whole gang is, is TikTok is kind of in that same realm for this generation. And it's just kind of an opportunity to be creative and have fun that didn't involve sitting in front of Logic and writing a sad song. <laughs> <laughs> Mix up a little bit. Yeah. It, it just, it, parts of it just went a bit fucking bonkers, to be honest. And I, I, I it's, like I haven't touched it in ages and people keep telling me like, you need to nurture that. Like that's such a cool thing. That's such an asset. Like you've got this big audience on there. Like, yeah, but it's not my fun project right now. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> like I probably should, but at the same time, I just kind of wanted to do it because it was fun and I, I'll get back to it at some point. It's been months, I think, since I last put something on there, which isn't good, but it's just kind of how it goes, isn't it? Sometimes you just, you come and go with things like that. It's kind of like that for me, like before COVID, like obviously TikTok was a thing, but I was just like, oh, I'll, I'll never do a TikTok. It's yeah, it's just not for me. And then COVID happened. I had like all well, this extra spare time, and it obviously got a bit more popular during the lockdowns because that's all people had time to do really. And uh, yeah. I was like, oh, I'll, I'll give it a go. And you know, now I'm still doing like videos mo most days anyway. But yeah, hundred percent. It's, it's it's I think the, the the thing that was really interesting about it was watching that shift from because I don't know if you remember when Instagram first came out. I don't know how I'll have been like 16, maybe 15. And I remember the whole sort of narrative from the slightly older kids at my school was that's a cringy sort of hipster app, you know, and, and people were actively making fun of people that were using Instagram. And then 18 months later, every single one of them was on it because it's normal now. And I felt like the same thing was happening. And the same kids that were saying that about Instagram were saying it about TikTok, but they're not kids anymore. They're mid twenties. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's sort of like, I get it. Like I understand it because the stuff that you see from TikTok that goes nuts and gets shared across socials is not really, it's definitely not for me. Like yeah, I, yeah. I went on that app a few times and I kept getting presented with things that were not for me. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably not my, my realm, but it's, it's one of those things like you give it 18 months and it's going to be so integrated and so normal 
that no one's going to raise an eyebrow. And yeah, it's 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 become this. It, it, it is nothing beyond just another way for people to be creative if they want to be. And we can attach things to that about certain things being cringy and certain things being X Y Z about it. But you can say that about absolutely anything. And I was grateful for it to to have that as a little thing to mess around with. Take your mind off the world that's on fire outside. Hundred percent. Yeah. Make some memes about my chem. <laughs> Can't go wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just the laugh. The idea of it sort of being like part of my work day. I'm blocking out my day. I need an hour and a half there for memes <laughs> <laughs> and dumb videos in the bathroom mirror. Yeah, we'll do that. It's just crazy that that's kind of like a a job now. Like people literally get that like, kind of paid, and that's the, their job just to do videos and make memes and exactly. I fucking love our generation. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, going back to the EP, was it Neil Kennedy that produced the whole thing? Yeah. Yeah, we went with Neil. I've got the songs out in front of me, actually, because the CDs landed yesterday. Yeah, Neil did all of those songs with us. And they were three, four of those were recorded during the pandemic. And then we went back and did Coming of Rage, which is the title track, earlier this year. So it's very similar to the last EP, actually, in terms of the way that it was done. It was sort of in chunks because it was still sort of a being careful kind of environment, you know. But yeah, I absolutely love working with Neil. It's a completely different environment to where we normally operate because we're in uh, Keithley in West Yorkshire and he's down in Southampton. And so it kind of feels like going on an adventure just to go and make the thing. And uh, it's it's at the ranch, so it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. And it's it's just a really cool place to go and be creative. And Neil's always down for us, you know, kind of stuff and experimenting with things. And yeah, I love working with Neil. He's a legend and he really gets it. And it takes the time to sort of figure it all out with us. And it's fucking brilliant. I love this record. I'm so proud of it. I can't wait for people to hear it. You put out a video for the track at Heaven as well, which is the the latest single to be taken mm. from it. And, you know, at the end of the video, you know, you can just kind of see how much, you know, water has kind of flooded the room where you are. I can just imagine that was such a, a fun video to make. Oh, we, we wanted to do the Rain Machine video thing <laughs> <laughs> since day one. And, uh, on the second EP we did, we had a song called Lily and it was like this big concept video. And right at the end of it, we were going to have like, we were going to do like a B-roll shot of just me on my own performing in the rain. And we had no budget for an actual rain machine. So we were going to chuck one of the boys up a ladder with a host fire in the night and put me in a field somewhere and we were going to shoot it. And it got to like half past two in the morning and it was the last thing we were going to do. Fucking snowing. And I was wearing a t-shirt that was already wet. And I just said, no, it's not, <laughs> it's not happening. We have enough. And yeah, been, yeah, and there's been various singles since where we've been like, this is the one, this is the one we'll do, and then another idea would come along. And then we were talking about the video for heaven, and it was this no, no we're gonna do it now. And we found Tank Space in Nottingham. And uh yeah, it was fucking brilliant. Like it was just because I've I wanted to do that music video for so, so, so long and getting to actually do it was brilliant and ruining my Doc Martins and <laughs> all of our instruments and everything. But they were so good and uh the place was amazing. Like it was, I've never actually sort of thought about the dynamics of how a rain machine studio would work, but it's like yeah. a like a sort of tarp pool that you stand in so that the water can collect and then sort of slowly pumps out and then goes back through. And, and it was warm as well. It was a dream. Always <laughs> helps. <laughs> like having a shower, basically. There's, there's a great photo somewhere, actually, uh, of um, our videographer, Joel, who was like, well, we need to get close-ups. Like you need to get that sort of classic, super high shutter shot of the snare being hit. And the super close and all the, the droplets coming off of it and all yeah. that. In order to get that, he needs to get in the rain with his camera on his gimbal. So there's this photo of him uh, with his <laughs> and Jason with an umbrella over Joel 
and Bailey with an umbrella over Jason and our photographer with an umbrella over Bailey, like the snake of umbrellas out. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. But it came out so well. And it's it's a it's sort of another like we've done a couple of them now where it's been sort of just a more simple, linear approach to a music video for us. I mean, it, it, we did we've done for this EP, we've done Dynamite, Boy Whatever, and Heaven. And uh, all of them have been low or no concept. And they've just been sort of stylistic. And it's been honestly way more fun to just kind of do it that way because everything else that we've done has been very story driven some of them were just story and there was no performance at all and they're really fun to do but they're also a huge undertaking to do right because it's easy to do something like that and have it come out rubbish and I think it's easy to do something where you're throwing a lot at the wall and it just kind of can land messy that's not to say that that's what's happened but it's like it's been nice to sort of just try and be like, well, let's just fucking let go of that and just try and have fun with it and think more stylistically than narrative and concept wise and just see what comes out. And I think the three of the best videos we've ever done are you know, a blast to do. And it's the first time music videos haven't nearly killed me because they always found a way before. So. Well, when you mentioned the, the, you know, the hose thing for you, was it for, for Lily you said? Yeah, yeah. You were going to do that. It kind of, when you said it, it reminded me of, um, you know what, in... The video for all the small things by Blink when they yeah. take the piss out of boy band <laughs> and there's actually a guy with a hose above Mark Hoppus leans up <laughs> coming off yeah <laughs> that was that was and that was fully the fucking plan for this video as well because we had next to the budget for <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we found it but yeah I can't believe Tom's back I didn't I think, think it, well I think in the last few months I kind of saw it coming yeah but just for years and years it's just been like no chance, no chance. I think yeah. it was especially, well, I kind of feel sorry for Matt Skiba, Like, I, Yeah, I do a bit. But at the same time, it's sort of like he can sort of focus fully back on Trio now and I get the sense that he might enjoy that a bit more. I don't know, though. I don't know the guy. But I just, I'm so surprised that Tom, I thought he got himself to a place where he was sort of a little bit too grown up for Blink. Too into yeah. Aliens for Blink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but yeah. But yeah, it's just fucking nuts. But yes, that shot with the host pipe, that was our plan. That was one of the reference shots on the pitch for the video. <laughs> Did you get tickets for Blink or are you... No, God, no. 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 <laughs> we mortgaged this house. <laughs> I got pretty lucky because I saw like people were getting charged for like maybe two, three hundred pounds per ticket. Mm-hmm. But I managed to get artists pre-sale. We got like free tickets for less than 200 quid, which was That's crazy. So That's yeah. nuts. I don't know how. Well, I, I know how because Ticketmaster yeah. <laughs> had that dynamic pricing thing, but... Yeah, I think it's just because I got there pretty early. Just yeah, didn't register that there was so much demand for it. But yeah. it's it's been so wild to watch that because it it didn't seem to go that intensely with the my chem announcement. I mean, everything sold out like that, didn't it? But even even the resales weren't that crazy money. It's just nuts. It's absolutely nuts. But it's it's a great. It's such a. I mean, maybe that's the sort of pandemic in action again. It's sort of two years of introspection for people, and you come out of it, and suddenly you've got Blink One Eight Two back, you've got Paramore back, like Chemical Romance back, and it sort of Your makes Heroes are back, Finch yeah, are back. Yeah, it's it's just nuts. It's sort of this massive resurgence of all of these bands that seemed to be either gone or beginning to sort of simmer down a bit, and like maybe it's the same kind of thing. On top of that, you know, you've had two years of no gigs whatsoever. So it's just like everyone's just so eager to enjoy these shows because who knows when they'll get taken away again. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you get to any of my chem dates? Yeah, I went to, well, I originally bought tickets for the Warrington date. Yeah. But then I didn't realise until after I bought them that I'd already bought tickets to see Glassjaw in London, which was on the same day. Oh, shit. So I sold the Warrington ones and I managed to get some last minute tickets for the Glasgow day and basically just 
turned into a long weekend in Glasgow and saw them while I was there. Oh, sick. So good. <laughs> no, it's not Absolutely mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, I mean, them being so controlled about concept and presentation and everything's calculated. I saw them three or four times while they were here. I'm just nuts for it. And it was all, it just felt playful. It just felt like they were just kind of having a good time. Nothing was particularly overthought about any of it. And I just, that kind of thing excites me a bit. I think it was good that they didn't do the same set list like, every day. Yeah. Like it was always different. And I think even in, because I think they're in America now, they've been doing songs from the first album, like Demolition Lovers, which they've not played since like 10 years ago or something like yeah. that, maybe longer. And they did uh, Sister to Sleep the other night as well. And it's, yeah, it's just been wild to watch because it just, it just feels like sort of the whole sort of, fuck it, let's just have a good time. Let's be really loud. Let's be ridiculous. Let's not overthink anything. Let's not get stressed about anything. Let's not be anxious. Let's not try and over control things. Let's just let everything explode a bit yeah. and just run with it. And I just, I think that's kind of what things need at the minute. Like Blink being back and I'm so glad it's silly. As much as I like Blink, like Neighbourhoods, I just don't think was a good album. <laughs> yeah, comparatively. Yeah, I agree with you. And yeah. like, when I think of Blink, I think of dick jokes, you know, and if, if that's not them anymore, then yeah, be yourselves, be sincere. Always, always, always. I'm so glad that it's silly. I think that's, if they'd come back and it was, I'd love them if it was like emo anthems, then sick. Yeah, I love those. But I just feel like we just, we just, everybody just needs to cut loose a bit. <laughs> yeah. Like even with that announcement video, they had all those people saying, oh, they're coming. coming. <laughs> oh, I'm, yeah. I'm coming too. I can't believe they came. <laughs> it was so long. Like they could have that joke with 20, 25 seconds, but it was like nearly two minutes. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it so much. What do you think of the new song? I think it's good. I think it's good. I think I might have been a little bit ruined because the new My Cam was nuts and the new Paramore was nuts and the Blink one feels a bit... It's a great song, but it's... I don't know. It just felt a bit surprisingly clean. Do you know what I mean? It's not so disappointed by it because I've listened to it tons, but yeah, my reaction to it was tentative. I'm very excited to hear what else they've got. I think I think they'll be good. I think they'll be good. Oh, yeah, I'm sure of it. <laughs> I'm sure of it. I mean, going back to your guys' music, you know, we were talking about heaven, and lyrically, it kind of seems to be like a song about grief and loss. I know, you know, those kind of subjects that you've touched on in previous songs as well. When it comes to writing songs like that lyrically, you know, with it being unfortunately such like a relatable topic and such a sensitive one as well, is there ever a worry that it might not come across? genuine it might sound like a bit contrived in, in the words that you put out I, d- I don't i'll be honest i don't really think like that and that, that's not coming from a sort of arrogant or a confident place i when i'm writing i don't think about anything perception wise or result wise at all because then that can start to influence it it's literally it's like playing a video game when i'm writing songs i don't think about consequences and it's only sort of after the fact when i can call the thing done and I start sending demos out to the team or whatever, that I'll start to sort of reassess things. But lyrically, no, not really, because it's 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 not really written from a sort of, here's a song about grief. It's more a sort of, here's my experience of a thing within the context of grief, rather than sort of providing the narrative on it as a theme. That makes sense, because everybody's experiences are different. That's why the five stages of grief are kind of bullshit, because it's like a framework guidelines but yeah, yeah it's completely different for everybody it's a completely different except probably universally awful experience for everybody <laughs> and we all deal with it in different ways and heaven is it feels very much like a song that would have been on the last ep if it was written in time because the last ep was solely about grief and it was written the week that last ep came out and it's 
sort of reluctantly accepting that things are shit and that you can't really kid yourself that this particular thing is ever going to get any better because this mm. person is never coming back. And in reality, that's kind of what acceptance is on a cold level. It's not a sort of flowery, wise, everything will be okay, smiling at the idea of all of it. It's much more a, right then, yeah, that's this is it. it, it yeah, and it's shit, probably always going to be a bit shit, but I'm choosing to face that anyway. So it's, it's sort of, that teeters on the edge of being about giving up, really, but giving up on a delusion and, um, and an unhealthy idea and sort of hiding behind lying to yourself. And much like sort of the rest of EP, sort of realizing that shit's darker than you thought it was, but sort of choosing to face it anyway uh, and accepting it for what it is, trying to. At least. Yeah. But sort of, again, like very specific to my experience. And it was written from literally being in the car at night. It's not really a metaphorical song, <laughs> rather than a commentary on the wider idea of all of it. See, I mean, if people were to come at me and call it contrived or suggest that I was being insincere, they can do that. It doesn't particularly bother me. And I don't find a way to word this because I don't want to come across like I'm being argumentative at all because I know that it's not you suggesting that. No. It's like I, I don't particularly feel a need to correct people on what they do or do not think their opinions and they're, they're perfectly welcome to them but it's sort of I, I made a thing when i was sad on my own in the early hours of the morning here it is i just said before if you kind of like overthink it then that's at the point where it becomes not genuine because yeah you're now putting considerations in to kind of change this thing that was kind of organic and natural for you and it's like you say it's explaining your your experience and no one can say that your experience is ungenuine because it's not their experience it's yours yeah i mean i i, I will sort of edit after the fact but i will only do that once it's done and i mean there was a clear edit with heaven like we've just started running this thing with the demo uh giving that out to people and the demo the chorus had a big swear in it every single time and we changed that and we didn't change it to make it radio friendly because we didn't when we were recording this song we didn't actually think firstly that it was going to be a single because it feels a bit slow and secondly it feels a bit dark to get picked up in that way so that wasn't really the consideration it was more like the lyric originally was, I tried to turn back time a million and one fucking times. And it was sincere because that's how I speak. And then we were sort of going over all of it. Actually, this is a sad song. A million and one pointless times just feels way more dejected and hopeless and yeah. sad. And when we changed that, and I thought when people hear the demo, they're going to think, you took the teeth out of that so the radio would play it. No, not at all. I wasn't even there. It wasn't even on my radar because we put out one of the biggest songs we've done was called Dynamite. And that's full of swears and I didn't change anything so. <laughs> yeah no beyond that it's not really a thing that's on my mind I think it would be I just I consciously try not to think about anything outside of writing when I or we are writing because it messes with it we've got the uh, release show as well on the on the fourth a sold out release show at the key club in Leeds and I think didn't it sell out three months in advance which is insane it's fucking <laughs> congratulations nuts. thank you yeah we've never sold out that room before uh, and and nothing that far like it was in yeah it was mid-August I think and yeah I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm still a bit bewildered by it to be honest like we were saying earlier I can't believe how close it is I get 300 odd tickets that far in advance to this venue that we've all been sort of frequenting as fans for years and years and uh, it's sold out for us. It's, it's just, it's bonkers. I've st it's still not gone in. <laughs> <laughs> it might do when I'm actually on stage looking at it all, but yeah, I'm, I'm just, um, it's really reaffirming actually because, you know, we, we put this EP together and 
launched this show and it was kind of the first thing that we've done like done like that since before the pandemic and you never know when things are going to sort of stop working or need to be done a different way and um it's been the best six months we've ever had as a band and it's just super reaffirming to see that and see that we can do a one-off show in leeds and people from all over are going to come to it there's people coming from germany and and holland and oh wow yeah it's it's just sort of this yeah you're on the right track you know yeah yeah and it's it's really special it's really it's just it's fully like it's still not gone in it's gonna have a couple of weeks yet so uh (laughs) i think if i let it in i might get too excited or too nervous about it yeah i mean i kind of maybe i have to kind of keep it in a relatively calm place because otherwise i'm gonna get messy (laughs) wait until after the show and then take it (laughs) and i'll celebrate yeah that happened (laughs) and you know speaking of gigging and touring you recently supported the kovi how was that that was a fucking blast that was so good that was at stylus in leeds Uh, that's a venue we've wanted to play for years and years and years and years and years and we finally got the offer to do it and um yeah it was it was just fun really really fun and just sort of a nice uh really good crowd really lovely people everybody on the line was really nice and everybody working the show was really nice and yeah just it's one of those bucket list venues for us because again we've seen so many bands that we've never actually had the chance to play it and yeah that's just a blast yeah. a really, really good show you mentioned earlier your, your previous ep now i mean i don't speak french so i might mess this up is it lapel david yeah lapel david part one is there still plans to do a part two at some point in the future or is that kind of not being considered at the moment? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it was, so it was, it was originally written as it was just called the Pell David and it was going to be our first full length. That was the plan. And then we sort of sat down and we're like, Mikey, you need to be realistic. Look at how much money we've got. How are we going to make this happen? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll do two EPs then. And we'll call them the Pell David part one or part two. That's sick. That's a plan. So we set off on, on doing the Pelvivi part one. And by the time it was sort of, we were into releasing it, like, I'm sick of all these other songs now. <laughs> we're going to park them now. And may- maybe it will be like a, like a sort of Anthem part one situation for, for a very, very long time. Maybe it will, there'll never be a part two. Maybe it will never get revisited. Maybe it will. But I quite like that that's where it's at. And sort of open-ended. Yeah, I could pick it up and play with that again if I want to, but at the yeah. same time, I don't need to. But yeah, that, that was why. Like it was going to be an album and then we were going to split it into two EPs. And then it got around to releasing the first of them. We hadn't recorded any of the rest of it yet. Actually, you know what? I want to. I want to do something else now. I yeah, like you say, you can always return to it. Like bands do it all the time, don't they? Yeah, exactly. And at some point, the time will be right, and it will feel sincere to do it. I don't want to do it because it feels sort of necessary. Yeah, because that but would then return to what we said before about not being yeah exactly and being contrived. Yeah, it'll ask to be finished at some point. Then <laughs> <laughs> we'll look at it. When did Dan- As Sirens Fall begin? Was it 2014? Yeah, we, we started playing shows together in, in 2014. In fact, it, yeah, it was... God, yeah. Eight years now. <laughs> yeah, because we were all in different bands, all based around here. And yeah. They all kind of disintegrated at the same time, but we all played shows together. And it was just one of those where it sort of people rang each other like, oh, I know this guy you can sing, I know this drummer. And we rented out a room at a business center and we were there for like six months just writing and getting to know each other a bit really because outside of sort of playing a show together every now and again there's not really a you know and you you sort of build that and it just really clicked and it really really made sense 
And um, we spent that six months just writing and thinking about things, trying to work out what we were going to do. And then the following year, we did like 150 shows and then went and did our first EP with Ramesh. But we were sort of really intense about it. Like that first six months, we were super, we didn't book any shows for that first six months. We didn't do anything. The first photo shoot we did, we did was all silhouettes because we didn't want people that liked our older bands to sort of jump on it yet. Right. Ready. The God, fucking 2014, that's nuts. <laughs> I mean, you know, in that time, you know, you've always put out quite a bit of music, but also there's been, you know, a few lineup changes. At one point, you were a five piece. At one point, you were a three piece. Obviously, mm-hmm. now you're a four piece. And over that time, it seems like the kind of like image of the band as well has become a little bit more integral as the as the years have gone on. How important is the image of the band for you? Do you think? I, I go back and forward on it as I do with anything. It's it's always been a bit transient. And like we've we found on the lineup thing, I think we've found a dynamic now that really works. Uh, I can't see us changing anything now. Such wood. Nobody runs off. I love the way it is now. And we all love each other very much. And, and there's never been any bad blood with anybody. You know? It's just sort of how things go and life happens. Like, it's like we've been doing this since 2014. And there comes a point when somebody needs to reliably be able to pay their electricity bill. <laughs> and, and on the image thing, it's it's... We've gone back and forward on it. Like we started off, we were very much a t-shirt and jeans band at the start. And then we had this uniform and it was all black denim and patches. And it was like that for years. And that felt really good and really refreshing to do because none of us had ever done anything like that before. And nobody sort of around us was doing anything like that either. And it sort of felt good to feel like a bit of a gang. And yeah, it was just sort of refreshing to do that at the time, but it became a, almost like a crutch if that makes any sense, like, what are we going to wear on this tour? What do you want to do for this music video? What do you want the vibe to be? What's the color scheme? Oh, no, it's fine. We'll just go black denim because we've got the uniform. And we can yeah. do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Eventually it got to a point where it's like, no, we're, we're just killing that now. Let's just stop it and see what comes out of us. And we messed around with things for a while. And we actually worked with a stylist and sort of figured out, a way for each of us to be loud in a, and, and expressive in a way that each of us individually is comfortable with and wants to do and wants to play with, but have it work as a unit so that we can sort of keep things interesting. And because I, I, I can't wear the same thing twice now, I get so bored so quick. And, and the boys are all the same. And it's again, it's one of those things where it's just sort of like at some point you switch up after being a little bit introspective for a while and want to play and just kind of have fun with it. And I guess one possible reaction to wanting to do that would be just, yeah, we'll just go t-shirt and jeans again. But that's just a bit fucking boring for me. Like I like, yeah. I like things to be bright and colourful and a bit ridiculous. And if, if the boys wanted to go t-shirt and jeans, that's fine. There's no hyper control over any of it really anymore. It's considered, and we'll talk about it before a show, but only to the point of like, oh, are you wearing your black and yellow stripy tee? Okay, well, I won't wear mine then because we're going to look like wasps. Yeah, yeah. And no vibe. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the extent of it. Do you know what I mean? We don't really go deeper than that. It's kind of each person's remit. As long as we look like a unit and look like we belong together, then run free and have fun with it. Yeah. Maybe a bit strange if, you know, you guys all come out in your, you know, your, your outfits now, and then one of the other guys comes out, and I don't know, like a whole football kit, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> That's legitimately a discussion that we've been having on and off, but because Jason's so big on his rugby and he's like, I, he really wants to play a show in a rugby shirt. You you can, but we, <laughs> we need to figure it out <laughs> because it, it's just going to be clashing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. 
Yeah, but you're right though. I, I, I do think it's it's important. I think it's really important because it's all of that said, completely independent and all of that is I think people can forget that you're in a band or you're, you're making music or you're putting on a show. That's what you're doing. You're an entertainer, you're putting on a show. And there's a, an element of visual spectacle that you kind of have to keep in mind. Even if you are in, you know, an old school hardcore t-shirt and jeans band, you are thinking about visual spectacle when you're spinning that guitar around your neck, when you're trying to kick people in the throat. That's visual spectacle you're putting on a show, you know. It's the same thing. So you can have fun with it and find a way to do it in a really, really sincere way, but also consider how good of a show that is and, and what it's actually like to watch and look at for an audience and keep it fun. And it's kind of branding as well. Like, like let's say someone doesn't remember the band's name, but then they can just say, oh, it's the one where the guy is wearing like a yeah. black and yellow stripy t- shirt, whereas they can't say, oh, it's that band where he's wearing a black T-shirt and black jeans. Okay, yeah. so you, you've mentioned 500 different bands now. So. Exactly, exactly. There's, there's so much to it. And I think it's a thing that people, especially sort of on a more local level, it's almost a bit taboo. Like the number of times that there's been a like a mean guy in a pub that's told me to spend more time on my music than my eyeliner. And yeah. it's oh, like, yeah, you're the cliche by saying that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I've already written the song. That's done. It's out now. I have time to do my eyeliner. <laughs> <laughs> um, not like mutually exclusive. Like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not one or the other. And I think it, it kind of comes from that sort of slightly uncomfortable place where it's like, I, I don't know, if you you should always be talking about the music and only the music. And that's the only important thing. And everything else is secondary and all of that, that kind of rule that people seem to have. And I just, I don't believe in it. Like if we talk about like aesthetics in rock and metal, it's always been there. Like yeah. look at Slipknot, look at Kiss, yeah. look at My Chem, look at Ghost. Yeah. Imagine if Slipknot didn't come out in a boiler suit and masks. It'd still be a great band, but I wouldn't remember their show. It would be like going to watch a, a session band play. Nine okay. of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in kegs with baseball bats. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that again is part of the show. It doesn't need to be a keg with a baseball bat. That could just be a timp drum. It could be a sample, but it's a keg with a baseball bat because it's part of the theatre. And like even all the way down to just sort of fairly middle of the road stuff, a, a leather jacket and jeans band, that's still an image. That's yes. an aesthetic. And there's a reason that, that stuck around for so long. There's a reason that so many bands stick to black and rotate colors around it and it's because i think people's sort of first access point when they're young is visual yeah there's something pretty about the thing that excites them like that's how i got into my cam it was the welcome to the black parade video and it wasn't the song as much as it was the aesthetic and the visuals of it that drew me in and i watched it over and over and over again so many times when i first saw it and i was the same with green day and their aesthetic and all the blacks and reds of american idiot i remember that coming out and it's the aesthetic that grabbed me first and kind of lured me in. And then I fell in love with the music. If it was just t-shirt and jeans, I don't know if I would have bothered clicking on that video on YouTube. Exactly. And like, you could write the best song in the world, but if you don't give a reason for people to listen to that song, then what does it matter? Yeah. And ultimately that's the point of the music video. Yeah. Yeah. I love this stuff. I find it really interesting. Because <laughs> <laughs> there, is, there is on the one hand, it's like, well, you should let the music speak for itself and all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's what releasing the music is for. Yeah. But if you're, if you're doing a music video, then if you're all going to let the music speak for itself when you're doing a music video, that music video is going to suck. It's going to be very boring. Yeah. There's only so many times you can have a band playing in the middle of a forest. Yeah. Or, or a corner of a warehouse or a corrugated yeah. band door. Yeah. Yeah. That's what people don't understand as well. Like 
as much as you can think it's you know music as art and it is but it's the music industry which means it's a business which means there's marketing there's branding there's promotion and if your band that you this band that you enjoy isn't popular and doesn't get branded properly and stuff they're not going to come and play shows where you are you're not going to see them live and you're not going to they're not going to make more music that you want to listen to yeah it's it's you're, it's an industry you're right and the thing that the music industry is about the thing that it's named after isn't the thing about it that makes any money and that's the other thing that people get caught in their teeth a little bit i think you know it's it's you boil it down to a really cold-blooded practical point of view the sort of successful mid-tier bands these days are I mean, I wouldn't go this far, but to be intense about it, it's like you are a t-shirt company that happens to make music in yes. terms of your actual financial turnover. And that's a sad fucking sentence. But is it any different to what Game of Thrones is? Because you don't have to pay up front to watch Game of Thrones. It comes out on the telly, which you're already paying for, just like yeah. you're already paying for Spotify. They make their money through merchandise sales and ad placements and God knows what else. And it's it's just that's the way things have gone. And if you want to survive in the, the world as things are moving forward, like Lars was right, you, you, you sort of have to adapt and you can't moan about it. You know? And part of that is finding creative ways to navigate all of it. And that can be really, really fun, I think. Yeah. And one of those is to mess around with your image and have a really good time with that. And like I said, we could have gone t-shirt and jeans and it would have been fine, but it's not who we are and it wouldn't have really been sincere. We like to be loud. We like to be a bit ridiculous and do daft stuff. And in three years' time, we'll probably look completely fucking different because we'll have got bored again. And that's all part of it. The music is is the reason that we do all of this, but there's so much that goes along with it that can be so fun that can help hold the music up and make the whole thing last. And you guys are, you know, unsigned and independent. You do as much as you can DIY and you've got a Patreon as well. So obviously you've got fans that kind of go the extra mile and they get some extra perks and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, the benefits to but pros and cons to being signed and pros and cons to not being signed. Do you think that depending on what opportunities come forward, you guys would ever step away from being independent? Or do you think that's kind of like what you want to do for the foreseeable? It's not something I'm precious about. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not sort of subscribed to sort of the, the, the DIY or die mindset. It's just sort of that's been the necessity. And we figured out a way to sort of make that work and make it relatively sustainable for what it is. Like We, we still don't get paid from it. But the thing is now self-sufficient, which is, you know, we've been working towards that for a very long time and that's great. And it means that sort of we can now, you know, I've got HelloFresh that next to me. It's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, like like for speaking from the point of view of somebody that hasn't been signed, I couldn't tell you what the pros and cons would be, but it's certainly not something I'm precious about. And I think if someone came knocking and the sort of right kind of conversations were being had and the right things were on the table, then yeah, hundred percent. You know, like I, I want to do an album at some point, and I would like to do that with label support. It would be very hard to do that to the extent that we would want to do it without label support. You know, that, that might come along. It might not. We'll see. Future will tell. We just keep going. We're quite happy to keep going because we love what we do, and we're not precious about being independent or not being independent. It's it's sort of it's been an out of necessity thing, and and we're working with Steph, our manager now, who's brilliant, and we love it to bits. And it's sort of a team around us slowly, slowly, slowly building. And that, that having that sort of group of people that you know really like the music and really like the project and really get it. And that I'm precious about that. But I'm not particularly precious about any sort of ideals of labels versus not and, and any of that. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens. When we... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, last year you guys did a, a Christmas, you did a cover of Last Christmas. Put your own little spin on it. Are you going to do a festive cover this year or are you not going to? 
Oh, we will. We will see. I mean, when when I did that one, I was so happy with it, but it was like it was finished like a week before it came out, and we did a show, and we all got ill. Was that COVID? Was that one of the COVID times? It's so hard to keep track of now. But we were super ill, and I was isolating it. And we had this again. It was like a big concept idea for a music video for it, and I was going to self shoot it, and then I got really ill, and I was stuck here. So I ordered a black backdrop online and a Santa hat. <laughs> Just did the thing myself, but it was finished like a week ahead of it actually going out. And I remember thinking, like, if we do this again, I'm doing it in fucking July. But well, July's been and gone now, so yeah, exactly. And it hasn't happened, but that's not to say that it won't happen because I know what I'm like, and it might get to the end of November, and I'm like, I want to do one. <laughs> And, and I'll just burn myself out making it happen. I don't know. We'll see. But no, for now, it's not on the cards now. But we'll see. I can, I can never fully promise. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else is planned for the rest of 2022 and 2023 so far? Uh, well, our, our new EP, Coming to Rage, is coming out on the 4th of November. Paired it with a release show in Leeds. And then we've got, oh God, next week we're doing Monsterfest up in Scotland. And in December, we've got a show with one of my favorite bands ever, Lost Alone, in London. Uh, and then we've got a few things in the new year that we haven't announced yet. And yeah, we just keep rolling. And um, there's always more to come. The engine's always on. Well, it all sounds super exciting. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what this CP does for you. I have listened to it a good few times and, you know, it's great. So you should be really proud of what you've done. Um, Thank you so much, man. Before I let you go and enjoy the rest of your day, have you got any final words, anything else you want to say or plug? Yeah, the, the new EP is coming out on the 4th of November. We just put out a single uh, called Heaven Spat Us Back Out. And uh, if you haven't heard that, it's out everywhere. It's on YouTube. I say that because I love the music video very much and I would like people to go watch it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, you can pre-order the CD and all the merch is on there. And uh, yeah, 4th of November, coming to Rage Day. I'm going to fucking back at it. It's wonderful. Put it in your diaries. Yeah, <laughs> in your diaries. Well, thanks very much, Mikey. Yeah, I really appreciate the time. Enjoy the rest of your day. And um, take care. Thank you, mate. And that's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider supporting the podcast in any way that you can. We have a Patreon where you can get access to each episode a week early, along with some other perks, a merch store, or you can leave a review wherever you're listening to this. You can also follow me on social media or subscribe to the newsletter where I'll send out each episode to you via email along with regular playlists. All this can be found at itsnotaphase.co.uk. That's itsnotaphase.co.uk. Thanks again for listening and remember, it's not a phase, it's a lifestyle.